0: Two of five weeks or so on the topic, hearing God's voice. And when we were um, worshiping just now, I'm going to deviate. I feel like God's got something a little different for us this morning in the second service. Um, uh, You know, when we were singing that song, he is good, he is good, his love endures forever, he is good, he is good, our love endures, you know, know, we were singing that. And that's, I love that song. But I just felt like the Lord say to us, you know, you are good, you are good. You are good, and my love in you will endure forever. And that's the promise of Scripture, is when we receive the Spirit, that His love resonates, you know, the Spirit resonates, cries out to the Father, to the heart of the Father, bringing us into a relationship that's supernatural, that we can't really fully grasp, and that, that it makes us good. It makes us good. And, and, and I think the reason that God wants me to start with that is that if you don't believe that about yourself, There is no way you're going to believe that God wants to speak to you. Why would you think that God wants to speak to you if you're a bad person, or if you're a dirty person, or if you're a broken person, or your life is jacked up and messed up, or that you get it wrong, or that you're full of sin? Why would you possibly believe that the creator of the universe, who is holy, pure, and righteous, would have anything to say to you? And so the foundation of a talk... Or a month or a life lived for Jesus begins with a reality that you have been transformed into a new creation in Christ. And that there is a hope and that there is a glory and that there is a goodness about you that draws the Father's desire or presence into your life that makes him want to communicate with you. That there is something so unique about how he shaped you and made you that his reaction to you is of love and wanting to speak to you, wanting to lead you, wanting to talk to you, wanting to pour his love out with you. If you don't believe that, then you're not going to hear from God. And even in my saying that, there's some of you just saying, not me, not me. Which is one of the reasons why you might not be able to hear from God. Is that you just don't believe that. You don't believe that the creator of the universe has anything to say to you. You don't feel like your life is valuable enough to him. Another reason that you might not believe that God has anything to say to you. Is that you fear what God might say if you stop and listen. Fear is one of the greatest tools of the enemy. And half of us fear that if I stop and listen to God, oh my goodness. You ever heard the saying, be careful what you pray for? That's rooted. That is a lie. That is a bunch of rubbish rooted in the lie from the enemy that if you stop and you listen to what God has to say to you, well, you just better hold on. The other half of you fear fear. that if you stop, he might not speak. And it will be another reminder of the brokenness and the disconnect that you already feel that you are worthy of because of your insignificance. And again, a lie from the enemy based on the fear that our Father doesn't want to speak with us, that he doesn't have anything to say with us or to us. But the greatest, or not the greatest, I don't want to go there yet, the other reason that you might not be hearing from God, by the way, this talk's on, why doesn't God speak? Why don't I hear from him? That's why. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Um, but the other reason, and Mark Berkeley, we brought Mark Berkeley in last week to kind of speak on it, is that many of you have been trying to hear from God, and you're waiting for the big, booming voice. You're like, Lord, speak to me, and you jam funnels in your ear, like, come on, bring it. And Mark said, you know, we're just going all about it the wrong way. That's not how it works. Or at least that's not how it worked for him. Some of us might hear the big booming voice. If you're hearing the big booming voice a lot, might need to medicate you. But you know. But you know, the reality is, is that is not how God speaks or has ever spoken consistently in the Bible with his people. It's the small still voice. It's through. Pictures and words and visions and dreams and utterances of knowledge. Those are the tools, the gifts of the spirit that God gives in his timing that releases the power of his specific word for our life. Jack Deere talks about in a book that we sell, How to Hear or Surprised by the Voice of God. There are four main ways that God speaks to us. You know, one is through the Bible. One is through our experience, one is through the supernatural, and one is through the natural. And I'm not going to go into any of those tonight, or today, this morning. But they're back there. That book's back there. I'd really encourage you to read it. I was reading that book to kind of prepare me for this. And also, um, a lot of this material comes out of a book by R.T. Kendall called um, Sensitive to the Spirit, How to Be Sensitive to the Spirit. But there are some of those practical things in your life that may, that may be making it difficult for you to hear from God. But the greatest thing that both Artie Kendall and Jack Deere says that prevents us from hearing God's voice is pride, is spiritual pride. And I'm going to reveal to you or kind of talk to you, reveal to you. It's like, I'm going to give you an epiphany. You no, know, I'm going to teach you today how pride, no, I'm not. I'm not going to talk a lot about pride. But in the examples I use, you'll see how pride affects their ability in being able to hear from God. But pride, oh, I'm not going to talk about it. Okay, I'm not going to get into it. It's just big. I mean, you can imagine how spiritual pride, if you build yourself up, or if you think that you've got it all going on, how it would be difficult to hear the still, humble, quieting voice of God. It's just obvious. But what happens to some of us is that when we don't hear from God, we feel this pressure to kind of make up that God is speaking to us especially like in a church like ours that believes that God is moving and does move in the power of the Spirit. People come up here, and they came up last service and said, you know, and Titus said, you know, God did this miracle. You know, for six months we prayed, and God did nothing. It seemed like God was doing nothing in the terms of what we were praying for. And then all of a sudden, he broke in our little girl's life, and he, he for whatever reason, I don't know why, but he did this. But when he's not doing things, our inclination, our desire, because of pride, is to kind of make things up or make things happen. So, I mean, you probably experienced this never at River City church of course but um you know you go up for prayer and someone's praying for you and you're not sensing or feeling anything and all of a sudden you kind of feel them pushing on you I just feel like the Lord's just wanting to lay you down you know and they're like bringing you over and I was talking and I was talking to a friend of mine he's like yeah he goes that happened to me one time a guy I was at this conference the guy was pushing on me and the dude he grabbed his hand and he says if I'm going down you're going down with me you know He's like, that's not how it works, brother. And the guy stopped pushing on him. Or, you, or maybe, you know, you've been receiving prayer, and someone, like, shares a word from the Lord with you. You know, and that happens. And we're part of a journey. And we want people to risk and to go for it. But words should always be encouraging. One time I was down in another church praying. This was never happened at River State Church. And all of a sudden I'm praying, and the first thing that comes from this person's mouth is like, do you have cancer? I'm like, what? Do I, have, I have cancer. I have cancer. That's not very encouraging. That doesn't sound encouraging. I didn't have cancer, thank the Lord. But it's like, all of a sudden, like, that can't be from God. God's not going to tell me that in the middle of ministry, da da da, da. But, you know, so we struggle. And so, and so when we're ministering to people or we're trying to hear from God, there are times where we might insert, we might believe, well, maybe I need to help God a little bit. You know, maybe God needs my help. You know, and so there are these environments that become super spiritual and there are these super anointed people who are super spiritual, who have super amounts of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking like Derek now. (laughs) Living in a down by the river. But, um, (laughs) you know, but, um, and so they propagate this false environment and it makes us feel guilty if we're not feeling it. and It makes us feel guilty if we're not hearing from God. You know, a friend of mine was a, they're in town for the weekend. They're telling us these stories. And he said that they were at this big conference where um, there's a really famous uh, minister there. And he was, it was like in a coliseum. And there are these big sections of people. And he was going around like, the power of God is going to fall on section 242. And be like, and all of a sudden just everyone in the whole section was like, we just fall down flat. And my friends were like, wow, that is amazing. I can't wait. You know, he's kind of making his way around all these different sections. And sure enough, he's like, in section 335, the power of God. And they're kind of like, yes. They're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. The power of God's going to come on you. And he goes, you know, he sends the spirit up there. And they're like waiting and waiting. And they open their eyes. And like everyone's falling down around them, but them. (laughs) And the wife's like, Should we courtesy fall? Should we do a courtesy fall? (laughs) Everyone's looking at us. We feel like idiots. Should we courtesy fall? I just, I want to fall. I want to fall. And the husband's like, no. stand. we're not doing that. We're not falling. We don't feel God doing anything. We're not going to fall. We're not going to do a courtesy fall. And they're like mumbling back and forth each other. And like the eyes of, you know, 10,000 people are looking at them. And they're standing up in this section of people. They're literally have all fallen down and like. You know just feeling like idiots and you know, and whether people were faking it or not or didn 't feel, and they kind of did the courtesy fall i don 't know we don 't know we don 't know, maybe God did do that with everyone in the group but them. Maybe God was trying to teach my friends a lesson i don 't know that 's possible but but you know it, it, it 's it's just it 's not how God moves it 's not necessary to do that, and it 's important to understand that there are times in our life. Where we need God to speak, we want God to speak, and he doesn't, and he's silent, and he's quiet. See, we believe at River City Church that that's that's part of being in a relationship with God, is that he moves and gives his gifts as he desires. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6, you're going to talk about this if you go on The Life Weekend more in depth, It it says this, You know, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. And then in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God gives the gifts through the Spirit, As he desires, that word wills, I looked it up in like all kinds of dictionaries. It means desires, pleases, wishes, or determines. But that's not the important word in in those two words. The important word is he desires. He gives them as he pleases. He does as he wishes. He apportions as he determines. And so, again, we don't believe that there is any formula or anything that you can do to make God do something that he doesn't want to do or that he hasn't intended to do or that he doesn't think is appropriate to do. Now, there can be, like, sin in your life, and there can be things and behaviorally in your life that we know can quench the spirit. But the promise of God is, as you ask, you will receive my spirit. Do you trust, even though you can't see or hear, that I am moving, that I am here? And that is a normal part of the Christian journey. And so you may be thinking, but wait, Antley, wait, you're telling me that, okay, let's say I know about the Holy Spirit. I've know about the gifts of the Spirit. I've studied them. I've read all Jack Deere's books. My life is clean of sin, totally. I'm perfect. You know, I don't have any big issues in my life. I'm right with God. I spend time with him every day. I do this, I do that. I serve the poor. I minister to the church. You know, I I tithe. I do all these things. I'm totally humble. (laughs) Are you telling me that there are times... That God will be silent even though I'm doing everything right, even though I understand everything? That he intentionally draws away from me? Yes, he does. On purpose, he allows you to feel alone. He allows you to not hear him. He intentionally withdraws his voice from your life So you cannot hear him. That should be good news because I know all y'all don't hear him all the time. And you're looking at me like, I don't believe that. That's okay. That's why I'm teaching. Because I'm going to teach you where in the Bible it talks about it. You don't have to believe me. Believe Jesus. Okay. It's part of being a Christian. And there are times when God intentionally stops talking to us. Why would he do that? Why would he possibly do that? To show us what's in our hearts. To see what we really believe about him. To learn to trust him and to have faith when he's not around. When we don't feel like he's around. To see what's in our hearts. That's what Moses warned the Israelites of. Or told the Israelites what's going to happen in Deuteronomy 8.2. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you. Pride issue. He's dealing with pride. That's why we need to be humble. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. When Jesus is close, we feel and we feel like we're hearing him. We see the power of him moving in our life. We're we're experiencing his love. We come from ministry and there's pictures and words. We go to soaking and it's like he's raining down his presence on us. And we're experiencing him in supernatural ways even. It's easy to obey him in those times. It's easy to trust him in those times. It's easy to know and to follow him in those times. But when we stop hearing him, we stop feeling him, we stop sensing him, then the real test begins, doesn't it, of what we truly believe. I mean, think of Peter. Jesus is like, has told Peter, like, you're the rock. On you, I'll build my church. You're going to lead the church. You're going to be the person that I raise up, and he does at Pentecost. We see this happening. Jesus sees him. Yet Peter, you know, is kind of like Tommy Tough guy of the disciples. You know, thinks he's all that and more. And so what does Jesus need to do? Humble him. What does God need for, God, for Peter to be the leader that God needs him to be? He needs to be humbled. And so Peter says this very humble line in Scripture. Even if all fall away on account of you, Lord, I never will. Now, it, 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 On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being very prideful, it's like a 10 plus. You know, all the other 12, they might fall away. I never will. And then what happens? What happens? Jesus leaves him. Jesus is removed from his presence. And Peter is left by himself. And what does Peter do? He denies him. He forsakes him. He fails him not once, not twice, but three times. He blows it three times and is humbled. And becomes the leader in the process that God needs him to be. How did it happen? It only happened when Jesus was absent from Peter. His presence was gone and Peter had to trust and believe. Do I really believe these things about him? Are they true? Will I never really forsake him? Well, now that he's gone, we'll just see Peter. Why don't we check it out? And we all know how the story is. He fails miserably. But God humbles him again into the man he needs to be to lead his church. How about King Hezekiah? He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, it says in 2 Kings 18, 5 and 7. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, after him, nor among those who were before him. That's a pretty big statement. There was no one like him. There was no other king like him among all the other kings of Judah, for he felt he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him. Whenever he went out, he prospered. So the Lord's with them; They're tight. Things are good. They're conquering all these nations. There's a lot of great things about Hezekiah I love. And he's doing really well. But Hezekiah gets a little cocky. He gets a little prideful in Second Chronicles chapter 32. And it says that. And then it says in thirty-two thirty-one. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous signs that had occurred in the land, it says what? God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. How faithful will Hezekiah be? He's seen miracles. He's seen me show up. I've been present with him. He's conquered these nations. How will he respond when I remove myself from him? The word there. God left him, that word left, is a Hebrew word that means to abandon or forsaken. Abandon or forsaken. Which is exactly the same word. The same Hebrew word used here, when it talks about Hezekiah, God leaving Hezekiah, is the same Hebrew word used in Psalm 22.1. When David cries out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And so David feels the absence of God in his life. Psalm twenty-two, one. Why have you forsaken me? Same word, which happens to be the same words that Jesus spoke from the cross just before his death in Mark fifteen, thirty-four. My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left left me, Father, and my point of greatest need? Why aren't you here? Why don't I feel you? Why don't I see you? Why am I not experiencing you now? The sin of the world is being poured out on me and you have left. Why? And we don't understand in the spiritual realms all of what happened and that moment, and how that could possibly be. But we know that Jesus' word, forsaken, is the same word used by David, by Hezekiah, when God departs from the scene. And if Jesus experienced his father's absence, and our life is supposed to be like his, we are disciples of Jesus, then why should we be surprised when he purposely silenced himself to see who we really are? to trust, to, bel- to see what we really believe in, to see if we really do trust him. There comes a time in our relationship with him that after being with us and teaching us and instructing us and drawing close to us where Jesus from all, for, from all of our senses appears to leave and become silent. And it's so that he would see, and that we would learn to practice what he's preached in our life. In London, the first time I went, some of you have heard this story, to pray for people. It was at a church plant down in Exeter, England. And we got down there. I'd never, I'd just been trained in prayer ministry, and I'd gone down there. And they were, and, uh, they were doing a time for prophecy and, uh, it was, it was like this many people, maybe less, it was actually a lot less, probably this many people over here. And, um, and I felt like I was praying and I felt like the Lord like gave me this word for someone in the church. And so I, and so I'm like, I go tell Nick who's leading. I'm like, dude, I think I got this word. It's the first time it's ever happened to me in my life. I'm like terrified. So I get up and I'm like, I think I have this word. And God gave me the guy's name. And I said, for this Person, it was another guy, he said this person's name. So I said the name, nobody stands up. (laughs) like, (laughs) all right, here we go. And so I just go on and say, I feel like this is the verse, you know, 2 Samuel 5, whatever it was. And I say the verse, I say what I feel like God's saying, and it's like cricket. You know, in the beginning of prayer ministry, I like sit down like, oh my gosh. I was just like totally humiliated totally embarrassed i was so sure like this is what it's supposed to feel like like this is i I was you know it's the first time it ever happened to me like god then we bone here come on brother you know i was so embarrassed and walking home that night i was walking back to the hotel just totally dejected i felt like the lord said to me that's what it's going to be like when you leave the church i'm going to call you to do things that will appear at times to be wrong. But my deal is with you. Will you obey when I ask you to obey? Will you speak when I ask you to speak? Will you give the words when I give you the words, trusting that this is about me and you, Antley? What I do with it is up to me. What happens after we are obedient is up to God. But how will we know if we're going to be obedient If we always are in hunky-dory, happy land with Jesus. That's not reality. Reality is not hunky-dory, happy land with Jesus. Reality is we feel him leave. We don't see or sense him in our life. And we are like, what in the world's going on? I want to show you how this works. Sharf, come up here. I need a volunteer. I know. I'm sorry. But uh, you you fit the criteria that's required. Okay? Just stay there. Now, I'm going to show you an example of what it is like, stand up here on the stage, you know, of what it's like when we are in a relationship with Jesus. And the reality is that sometimes, and it's great that it's this way, is that we are seeing, I'm Jesus, you're Joe Average Christian, but you're Jewish and you're good, you're good at following God's people, Moses said, into the desert for 40 years. So this would be easy exercise for you because you're like double whammy. Okay, here we go. Lex told me I should pick you, but anyway, (laughs) so anyway, so I'm Jesus, and you are... Messianic Jew, baby, loving the Lord. Okay, so you're you're following me. I'm like, Craig, buddy, we're awesome. This is great. Let's go. Come on. And and Craig's experiencing God's presence through touch. He's experiencing God's presence through his leading, his voice. He's audibly talking to Craig. You're awesome. You're great. He's pouring out the gifts to get those tongues. Shabalama ding-dong, you know, and he's praying in tongues. He's moving in the power of the Spirit. And God's leading him safely up and down. Two, three, four. The stairs, just like you would expect God to do. Well, this ain't reality. This is not reality on this side of heaven for you to be experiencing God, seeing God every day. If any of you are seeing God every day like we're seeing Craig, we need to talk after the service, okay? But most of us don't see God every day. And so to simulate that, I had a little blind, put a blindfold on you, okay? It's going to mess your little hair up. But that's okay. It's better than if I did a woman. to be mad at me for... Okay, now then, this is just protect us because, you know, we don't want you to really see. Close your eyes. The fuzzy stuff will hurt. I was trying this out. Okay, you ready? You there? So now, this is where most of us live on a good day, all right? This is how most of us are with God on a good day, right here. This is you on a good day where God is still touching Feeling, I love you, Craig. You're awesome. You're in my presence. You're moving the power of the Spirit. He's touching, he's feeling he's not seeing God all the time. Not that we can't see God. God reveals himself physically to us at times. That's never happened to me, but it does happen. Okay, so God's leading him. Now Craig, you're you're come to a step. Ready? Feel it? Feel it. No, you can go down one. You go down two. You go down three. And you're gonna have four. And God's still leading. He's taking care of him. He's by the hand. He's close. He's experiencing God. He's pouring out the gifts. Be healed. He's healing people in the power of the Spirit. Things are great. He's experiencing God in every way, and he comes up. And he's still being led. Okay, you're at the steps, right? One, two, three, four. Okay, and so and so and so this is where this is where on good on really good days this is, this is awesome. Two's great. Two's great. We experience this physically. We feel him. We hear him. All these things, but we don't see him. And then God goes, well, let's see how much he believes, okay? And so then what God does is that he doesn't, maybe we're not experiencing him anymore. But God's still talking to him. He's leading him. I'm still here, Craig. I appreciate the time you're spending with me. I'm loving it. We're all buddies. We're doing good. You need to come up to the edge of these stairs right here, Craig, because there's four steps down. I'm still leading you. But he's not feeling God anymore, is he? You feeling me? He's not feeling God. All right, so Craig, step up right to the edge right here. Right here, right here. That's my foot. Okay, now step one down. Step two down. Step three down. One more. Okay, and God's coming over here. Come over here, Craig. And he's still asking God. Watch out for this right here. He's moving over here. He's asking. He's going God's talking to him. Come on. Come on. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm still God. Okay? And he's pouring out the gifts of the spirit are still coming on him. He's feeling God's presence. He's hearing God. He's not feeling him. he's not feeling him anymore though. So now no sight. He's not seeing him. He's not being touched. Come on, over here. He's still happy though. You're still happy, Christian, okay? Because we always don't have powerful manifestations of, of feeling with God. Some of us never have. Okay, no, steps right here. Steps, don't touch me. Okay, one, two, three, four. Now there's a, there's a record right here. Now go over a little to your right, a little to your right, a little to your right, a little to your right. right. Now turn around, now turn around. Now move a little forward, move a little forward. Now you're on the okay, a little more. Now I'm going to quit talking to you a, a little more, a little more, a little more. Now you're right at the edge of the steps. Okay, you're right on the edge of the steps. And Craig, you know I've been leading you. in our good times, when I'm touching you and I'm leading you, I'm talking to you, you know there are four steps down and there are four steps up. I want you to trust me. And I'm not going to say a word this time. I'm going to be silent and remove myself from your presence. But I want to see if you still trust me. Okay, now I could have put, I could have tripped him. I could have, I could have, that would have been funny. I thought about moving him like over to here. (laughs) But I wouldn't do that and neither would God. God would never do that. God wouldn't do that, but you think he does. You think that he will. But where did God position himself whenever he was in great, the greatest danger he, he moved from being alongside of him to in front of him, always ready to catch him, but wanting Craig to trust him, even though he couldn't hear him, even though he couldn't see him, even though he couldn't feel him. Craig's real trust was tested when those things were removed, and he had to remember, I, God's walked me down these steps three other times. He's walked me up these steps three other times. I trust that he'll do it. He's going to do it, that he's with me, that he hasn't left me, even though I don't feel, see, or hear him. I know that he'll do that. Nice. Give him a hand. You know, now again, all of us want to be in the number one, number two kind of category all the time. And we should aim for that. We should want that. We should seek that. But that's not reality. At least it's not for me. That's not my reality. And I don't think it's yours. And we're made to feel guilty when we don't feel God all the time. We're made to feel guilty when we're not hearing God all the time. We're made to feel guilty. And so what do we do? What's our desire? What, I mean, what are we kind of led into? We, kind of, we start faking it, don't we? We start faking it. We start feeling this pressure to be someone we're not, to do something that God's not doing. The, the, the danger in that is that it creates, it reinforces this lie that there are formulas out there that we have to do this for God, you know, to be a super spiritual person and for God to love us. When the reality of our life, if it's like Jesus' life, is that there are times when he's absent. There are times where he intentionally withdraws. You know, again, Stacey and Todd were just, he had a great testimony today about that. God didn't heal our prayers. Stacy was as sick as you could be. I mean, IV, really sick, took her out, took Todd out. Totally, their family, people caring for him, praying for healing, praying for healing, church praying for healing. Lots of people going to there praying for healing. Silence for six months. On the backside of it, Todd says, things happen though emotionally in our relationship with us individually. Never would have happened. God was always there, always present, but not physically answering our prayers like we expected him to. That's just the reality of being in a world that's broken, that we will not always hear and see God like we desire, and that's okay. And it should strengthen us to learn to trust, to learn to obey even when we don't see or feel or hear God. You know, Jesus, whenever he felt alone on the cross, this is, where, this is your hope. This is the hope of the, of the talk today. Because Hezekiah felt the Lord remove him. David felt like the God is absent. Where are you? Jesus, Father, why have you forsaken me? Everyone after Jesus, never again. It's the promise of Christ. Whenever he said it is finished on the cross, he said, What you need to experience my father's love and salvation, what you need to be in a right relationship with him, in a perfect relationship with him, I have finished once and for all. There are no more rules. There are no more laws. There are no more formulas. There are no more. There's none of that. None of that anymore. Because I am giving you my spirit who will be with you to comfort you, to heal you, to speak to you, to lead you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. The Spirit, when we become a Christian, we, it says we are filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit does not seep out and He does not leave. He is always with us, always with us. And so what Jesus felt on the cross, He felt so that you would never, ever have to doubt that you were alone, even if you don't feel, see, or hear Him. Never doubt that you are alone. He finished the work of our salvation. He completed it in its entirety, all that needed to be done so that we could experience the love of the Father. Why we don't all the time, or why it appears that some people experience his love and his gifts and his power more than others, I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that question. But what I can answer and I can tell you with certainty is this. If you are walking with Christ and you feel him remove his presence, or silence himself. This is the promise that he is with you, even though you don't see him or hear him or feel him, that he is with you. And it is a normal part of the Christian journey for God to do that, to see and to test what is in your heart. The good news for us is that on the cross, Jesus felt and experienced An isolation from his father so that you would never have to. He was totally isolated, totally alone, so that you would never have to be. And when times come when you feel totally alone and you feel like you can't hear God, you feel like you can't feel God, you sense that you can't see him anywhere in your life, you need to know and remember what he did on the cross so that you can know with certainty that he is with you, he is in you, and that he will never leave you. He is always watching. He is always waiting to see if you will stand when everyone else has fallen down around you, trusting that he is with you all the time. Let's stand. Let's move the first four rows of chairs. Okay. So we're going to have ministry. And... Again, like if you're one of those people it feels like maybe I've never heard from God or I want to hear from God or maybe you feel like God's removed himself. This could be a talk. This could be the morning where he opens your ears. I mean, we sang that song that Lex felt led to lead us into on being worthy that, you know, our ears, what our ears have heard. Let's let our eyes see. God, what our ears have heard, will you reveal that to me? I want to know that truth in my life. Let's fill up the space. Let's kind of come back in the middle here. Come back in. And again, this is an opportunity for you to come get prayer for any reason. For any reason. And maybe you're somebody that have, has tried this and you've risked and you've said a word and it just totally came out empty. It totally, you felt like I did, rejected. I'll tell you this, to finish that story. The next day I came back to church where we were doing ministry. A guy comes up to me and says... My wife's name is the name that you said. We left a minute before you said that. And I said, and he said, what was the scripture? I told him the scripture, and he's like, you have no idea how that speaks into my life. So it was a word from the Lord. It had a double impact on me personally, but also specifically to this guy whose wife was the name that God gave me. And who had been working through his life through this particular scripture. It was amazing. But we would never know if we don't step out and risk and expect God trusting that he's in this. That he's in this with us. That he wants to reveal himself to us. That he wants to speak to us. That we are special. That we have a unique gift and message that he wants to be blessed by. He wants to draw us in close to. So let's, we're just going to have a ministry if you want. Pray for healing. You can come now forward. We'd love to pray for you. For whatever reason, this is an opportunity for you to experience God.